So great to see all of you here this evening. Bless you. Tonight's going to be just a little bit different because Pastor Brett wants to download some things about not just where we've been and what we're celebrating, but wants to begin to share with you where we're going. But I want to sort of prophetically tag team with him for just a few moments before he comes and shares. Because I felt like as I was praying for this moment, the Holy Spirit dropped a question in my spirit, and it was this, where will you stop? Where will you stop? We just spent 30 minutes in worship talking about everything that God is and who God is and what God does. But the question for you and for me is how far will we go? Where will we stop? And the question is not so much the whys or the wins, but where? But where? You know, there are many whys of why we stop. Discouragement. 1 Kings 19, Elijah was pretty discouraged. Jezebel had run him, run him out of town. He just had this amazing victory at Mount Carmel. And yet he was so discouraged that he went to the desert, a place to die. Discouragement will get us there. Distraction would deviate our path. And then many times there's a demonic delay. But when often coincides with some instance of why. And in your life, in my life, and many times in the life of a church, a decision gets made that says, we like it right here. This is good. Wasn't tonight great? Come on. Isn't it wonderful? It's just like, if it ain't broke, what? Don't fix it. But it begs a question for you and for me. We find this story, I, I can't read the scripture, but in Numbers 32, about to cross over. And they come and they, three of the tribes say to Moses, don't make us cross. We've looked around and we have found that the land on this side of promise, this side of the Jordan, it will work just fine for us. It's suitable. It's okay. Wow. One of the scariest passages in all of the Bible is when these tribes come to Moses and they say, don't make us cross. begs a question for you and I how many times we tell God don't make us cross don't make us cross from where we are because this is good land right here and the challenge is that we settle for the okay rather than the ordained we prefer the known I know what this is or maybe yesterday is wrongly informing today It's the fear of tomorrow. What might it bring? And in Ezra, as they're building this temple, 
Some folk began to worship and a great shout went up. But there were some folk that had seen the previous temple and it says that the sound of rejoicing and the sound of wailing were of equal volume so that they were barely distinguishable one from the next because they had seen something. They wept aloud. Theologians disagree that whether they were weeping for joy or whether they were weeping for what was. I believe it was for what was. And I want to say this to you tonight. For many of you individually, personally, it's time to move. It's time to move. And you can say, oh, this is so good, God. I've just, it's so wonderful. My wife and I had just moved into a brand new house in North Carolina. The boxes weren't unpacked. Our first new home, Mark. On my side porch, looking out over my pond, land that had been prophesied. And I'm having a Nebuchadnezzar moment. Oh, Jesus. You know, you know how it is. Oh, thank you. This is so wonderful. He says, enjoy it. You won't be here long. Less than three years later, the country mice had come to the city to be with Pastor Brett. For some of you, it's time to move. Listen to me, and I'll close with this before Pastor Brett comes. Inheritance is dependent upon your movement. Inheritance is dependent upon your movement. Many of us want inheritance just to show up with Amazon Prime coming to our door. I can stay right here in my bunny slippers and this work, just bring it to me. Doesn't work that way. Inheritance means we got to get up, we got to move. You've got to be willing to inherit the problems that come with the promise. Man, I wish the promises of God could come hassle-free. They don't. Joshua still had some enemies to defeat even after crossing over. And it's time to move. And this sounds a little scary. For safety. An angel came to some young parents and said, Herod's looking for you, boy. You need to move. You need to go same way that the National Weather Service, when storms begin to roll in, what did they tell people who are in harm's way? What did they tell them? You need to move. You need to move from where you are to somewhere else. Listen to me, saints. This house is in a unique moment of crossing over. It's been, it's, let me tell you, what God has done here is unprecedented. But it begs the question, not just for us corporately, but it begs the question for you tonight, individually, where are you going to stop? I don't know about you, but there are areas of my life that I've drawn certain lines. Because like the Reubenites and the Gadites, those, those, those clans that decided, those tribes that decided not to cross over the Jordan, I've said, God, I've inherited mine here. Where have you stopped? Are you going to cross all the way over into your promise? Let me pray for you as Pastor Brett comes up. Lord, let us hear something by the Spirit tonight. Let us be, God, rightly challenged.
God, give us the same way that Joshua was exhorted. Have courage. God, give us the courage to cross over into that which you have ordered and ordained for every one of our lives, our families, our children, and their children. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Thank you, church. It is really special to be able to have a prophet in the house. Uh, Sometimes the passage which Jesus coined is more true than it needs to be, that a prophet has little honor except in his own, excuse me, that a prophet has honor except in his own hometown. Um, I don't want us to ever get used to accustomed to Pastor Jim. He is uh, he's extraordinary. And he's one of the finest voices, oracles of God on the planet. Other places drop their jaws and are begging him to come. They cannot wait for him to come and deliver messages, whether it's prophetic utterance for individuals or on behalf of a church or a circumstance <clears throat> in a city or with leaders and rulers. He does that. And every day you need to thank God that the Lord decided to give them to us. I'm only going to spend a few minutes before we get into prayer. But um, through this period of fasting, which for me has been a a bit longer than yours, the Lord has shown me some things that I think are very important for our progress, and forgive me for my voice, it just isn't what it should be. I am, uh, I am really, really content and full on this 37th birthday. I really am. For us, uh, it literally is September 12th, so we're past the 37th, and we are into our 38th year. But I'm really full. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad God has done what he has done. He's done way beyond what I thought he would with me, with us. I don't know that I could become fuller. (laughs) Sorry. But there's so much more for us to do. So much more. There's a whole community out there waiting for us. And I'm not quite sure how long it's going to take us to fulfill the purpose of our creation. I don't know. But I know this, that we need to press. We need to work toward, continue moving to that which God has called us so that we can be what we need to be for our community. And in order to do that well, every business, every church, every organization needs to have a succession plan going in I know it doesn't sound very encouraging to the people that enjoy what is to talk about what will be because what will be generally is not what is and if they really enjoy what is they really don't want to talk about what will be I know it's difficult but reality is whatever is will not always be at some point what is is going bye bye 
Whether it's a person, whether it's an organization, whether it's a, a wineskin, it's going bye-bye. God changes stuff all the time. And we have been privileged to be here for quite some time. So for all 37 years of this congregation's existence, I've woken up and had the honor of calling you a church of which I could be a part. And here in the past 10 days or so, um, I've recognized what God was doing with us, but I didn't even know it until now. About six years ago almost, I, I went to Pastor Jim and I said, we, we need to have a plan. Because at some point, I'm going to be too old to do whatever I'm doing well. And <clears throat> I don't want people to tell me that I am before I realize it. <laughs> so we've got to have a plan that makes sense to everybody. And so we realized that it would be good for us to begin a process of transition and find people of the second generation who, to whom we could hand off the baton of this congregation and take it to wherever it should be because the goal of winning this city, which I have, is probably bigger than the years I've got left. But it should not stop Amen. when I die. Amen. Now, this is that for which I am planning. My hope is that God accelerates the process and uses us as a catalyst in it so that it can happen much quicker. I would love to see this city one before I go to glory. But I don't know that it will happen. And since I don't know the timing, I've got to at least prepare so that if I'm not here, the work will continue. Amen. And arguably... You, I, I think you kind of like me. I mean, you keep coming back and listen to what I got to say. You like our church. And I want you to know I'm very grateful that you clapped. <laughs> because it'd be very insecure if you didn't. And arguably, I, I'm getting, I, I haven't hit my ceiling. I'm getting better at communicating and better at leading than I've ever been. Because I base my performance not on how, how well I've, I've skilled myself, but how much character I've developed. And there's no end to that. Amen. You can continue to get more like Jesus every day. And the more you get like Jesus, the better you will perform at anything else. So I'm still getting better. Which to most people, I, I, I tell other pastors, I'm leaving. Not here, just this. I'm leaving. They say, Why? You're better than you were last year. I said, it doesn't matter. So are the young men and women who are behind me. They're better than they were last year. And, 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 and my goal is not to expire in the pulpit. My goal is to hand it off. So we began a process about five, six years ago, and, and God has done some amazing things. You all have some really good second-gen folk. Really, really good. Outstanding ministers. And I'm not going to mention them all because I know I'll leave out somebody and then somebody will feel bad. But there's about 20 to 25 of them on staff who are just, every church out there would want them and has, many of them have tried to get them. And I tell them all the time, listen, if, you, if, if they can take you, they can have you.
That's for you too. Can you be bought? Nobody, nobody can take me from you. Nobody. And, and please understand, folk have tried. Not enough money. Not a big enough congregation. Not a platform large enough. I'm not interested in TV. I do not care about being known. I turn down interviews all the time because that is not the way I progress the kingdom best. It's not about me. It's about enveloping myself in the vision of God in you. I want to be known through you. I don't want you to be known through me. But these are just fabulous human beings. I mean, they're really good. And so we began training them, and if, if, if I were not able to do what I'm doing now, they would do whatever they need to do for you well. The ministries of this congregation would continue on without declining in their quality. We have built it. I, we've tried, Pastor Jim, myself, and others, have tried to construct this to where I will be missed, but not needed. And I'm just about there. Just about there. And it's really exciting. Now we're at 37 years. Starting now our 38th. And as I was in prayer, the Lord told me, he said, you're right where somebody else was in the Bible. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I, I remembered a passage that I had read quite a while ago that chronicled Israel's journey through the wilderness. Turn with me over to Deuteronomy chapter verse 14 Moses is writing and he says this now Deuteronomy 14 now the time that it took for us to come to Kadesh Barnea until we cross over the brook Zered was 38 years until all the generation of the men of war perished from within the camp as the Lord had sworn to them Lord help us Moses was penning Deuteronomy at this time. He's figuring out how to get it started and carry it through. But Deuteronomy means this. Deuto means, Deuto means second. And nomi means law. So it's the second giving of the law. If you look in the book of Deuteronomy, there's not much new. Said different ways, but the same, same law that God gave in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Anybody who read Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, which Moses wrote, Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament called the Pentateuch. Anybody who read those three books would get all they need in order to understand what God was doing in their lives, what they needed to do, how they needed to comply with his will. But Moses wrote a, a, a fourth book because he realized there was a generation that needed to hear it in their, their era and in their language. And in their 38th year. We are coming upon a time and there's no way that we could superimpose perfectly the importance that the people of Israel had on the world and us. Doesn't work like that. They were iconic. They were first. They were only in terms of this kind of redemptive benefit that they would provide for the world. But we can superimpose our experience and say, let's learn from this a little bit. Moses realized at the writing of Deuteronomy that he would not be going in. He had already blown it at uh, Meribah where he was supposed to speak to the rock and instead he struck it. And God said, you're not going in. But he knew this. 
I've got to prepare a people who will. And here we wind up at our 38th year trying to figure out how in the world to give our stuff to another generation. I want you to feel the significance of the moment at which we've arrived and that by the, by the sovereignty of God but unplanned. When I thought five, six years ago we needed to have a, a, a system, it wasn't thinking about the idea of a 40th year or a generation. It was just thinking about, you know, you're getting old. You probably need to hand it off. That's all it was. But I can't tell you. Do I need to remind you of the importance, in the importance of, the year, of, of a whole generation of 40 years? God did things in 40-year spans. And in 2022, this congregation will be 40 years old. And I will have been here the entire time. And the difference between Moses and the people to whom he was writing and the people to whom I get to speak on a regular basis, which is you in the second generation, is that Moses didn't get to go with him. He blew it. But I'm going in with the next. I plan to be running with them, asking God for grace and mercy, inspiring them with wisdom, helping them untie knots they don't know, they don't know how to untie, giving them understanding about what perspective looks like. And for the next couple of years, my plan is to do exactly what Moses did, which was repeat who we are on a regular basis. That's what Deuteronomy does. This is our experience. This is the place from which we came. This is how we got here. These are our values. This is our mission. That is our vision. And to say it over and over and over, but in the language of their generation. And because Moses had a bunch of young men, some Joshua's, and relatively young. Joshua wasn't that young at that time. But he was a whole lot younger than Moses, so he could be considered a next generation guy. They didn't do too bad when they went in the promised land. They're pretty good. And I'm excited about what God wants to do with the next generation. Now, all of you who happen to be first generation, you've been asking yourself, if not others, what does that mean for me? I mean, you got all these young people around. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 50. Is there a place for me here? You just come with me. All I will be doing is spending time pouring into these young people that they might be successful. I want you to come with me, and I'm, I mean that in a broader sense than just location. I'm talking about envision. You who are first generation, I don't want to leave you on the other side. Amen. I don't want you to be looking over, realizing, wow, they're doing it, and you stay on this side. God had a requirement among, among the Levites. The Levites were the priests, family of priests. He said, you cannot serve past 50. When you're 50, you stop. And it wasn't because they were incompetent. It was because it was the second generation that needed to come behind them. And when they were 50, they didn't stop serving God. They stopped serving in the temple like they did every day. They trained the younger people. You who are of my generation, you have the greatest privilege Amen. to sow your life 
the value, the wisdom, the understanding, how you got your gray hair, or how you lost all yours. <laughs> With those who desperately need to receive, I want you to come. I don't want you to miss out simply because the music might change. The preaching might change. Nobody will be up here with a bow tie. They might have holes in their jeans. Or, or better yet, their holes might have patches. You'll get that later. It'll be different, but it will be right, and it will be good. And they will take this thing to a whole new level. We're in our 38th year, and it's time for us to repeat again what God has said so that we might give those who are ready to go into the promised land the opportunity to cross and we with them. Now, I don't know what the promised land looks like. I'm not talking about location. I'm talking about purpose, destiny, calling, allowing them to come into that. And, And as I close, remember, when did Jesus leave? At 33. Was there a better minister on the planet? Would there ever be a better minister on the planet? Did anybody think it was a good idea for him to go? <laughs> Definitely not the disciples. I mean, when he said, I got to go, no, no, why? Well, if I don't go, you won't receive the Holy Spirit. I can't send him. I don't know who he is, but I know you. <laughs> stay, stay, stay. As a result of his leaving, the disciples arrived. They arrived at a spot they never would have if he had stayed. There are some people that need to arrive. And all the second generation ought to be, you ought to be shouting me down. I don't know why you're not. This is all for you. Not just staff. Thank you very much. This is all for you. This is all for you. But... Let me, give you, let me give you a picture of what my life's going to look like in the next four, because this isn't going to happen tomorrow. We still got a few. Uh, probably by 2021, we're going to hand this off, and I'll be preaching maybe 15, 20 times, but I've got responsibilities to the other churches we planted, and I'll be helping to father them, give them governmental counsel, be with Pastor Jim, help our every nation world as well. So for that first year, we will run with the, those young people. I mean, we will run with them be there every step of the way. I won't diminish in my time with you. Even though I may not be preaching, I still might be here. I'm never leaving this congregation. Ever. Ever. Uh, Yes, I'm going to die, but I'm not walking out. So we'll transfer it, and then we'll run with them. Um, in that first year and then the next two years we'll find ourselves at a place of taking a back seat as they run and then they've got it in 2023 Amen. that is the goal that's the goal and I want all of the young people to understand this is because we care about your inheritance Amen. we don't hire people because they're good we don't deploy people in volunteerism because they're good. We, we deploy them and we hire them because they're sons and daughters. 
I'm not talking about they have the last name Fuller. I'm saying they love this house. They've adopted our values. And they not only have received them, they are now advocates of them. And we unapologetically do that. So somebody came and said, Pastor, can I submit my resume? I said, for what? (laughs) I want to work here. I said, hmm, where are you serving? Who's who's your direct report in your service? He said, we really aren't interested in the resume until we know that you're our family. We're not. We're not. And so we desire to give an inheritance, an inheritance. It's not just an opportunity. It's not just a job. It's an inheritance. And the young people who are with us on staff are worthy of receiving. You're going to be really blessed over the next four years when they come to the place of being able to handle all that is us and more. Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness and grace. Help us as a people to understand what it means to walk together in this and to serve you in it and to glorify you. Most churches don't know how to do transition well. They don't know how to do succession well. And I've read a bunch of books on it and everybody does it differently. This is the plan you've given us. If you want to adjust it, do so. But we submit our thoughts and our minds and our hearts to you. We pray you'd have your way and help us to do what we were created to do and see this city won on your behalf. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen.